Tēnā koutou te whānau o Aotearoa Unitarians. Tēnā koutou ngā manuhiri. Nau mai, haere mai. Haere mai ki tēnei hui o tātou whānau. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. It is said that journalists and ministers and those who lead services are here to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. I say we are all afflicted and we are all comfortable. May our time together this morning be a comfort and a confrontation. May we here find peace in times of tumult. May we here invite tumult into lives of peace. May we here find calm in times of restlessness. May we here allow restlessness to evolve into action. Let this be the place you consider what you've never considered. Let this be the place you imagine for yourself something new and unthinkable. May this hour bring dreams of new ways of being in the world. Come, let us worship together. Now I invite uh, everyone to say the covenant of the church with me. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is the sacrament of This is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve humankind in fellowship, to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony. Thus do we covenant with each other and with our God. Thank you. Now I invite anybody who's got a candle to light it and ask somebody in church if you could light the chalice there. Using a spark of hope, kindle the flame of love, ignite the light of peace, and feed the flame of justice. So my talk this morning is called Forging New Pathways, and I start with a whakapauki. Ki te kahore he whakakitenga kangaro te iwi, which means without foresight or vision, the people will be lost. This past week, a colleague of mine who lives in Taranaki mentioned the town of Pātea, which he described as being nothing since the freezing works closed. For 100 years from 1883, the local freezing works had been the heart of the Pātea economy. In 1982, the works closed. That's 40 years ago, 40 years of nothing. The freezing works closed without a vision or a plan for what else could be at the heart of the local economy. 40 years on, the damage from that lack of foresight can still be felt. At the 2013 census, the median income in Pātea was $19,000, compared with a national median of $28,500. In the 2018 census, the median income of Pate had inched up to 19,500 against the national median of 31,800. Pate continues to be a place of material poverty. In the 1980s in this country, we had an economic revolution. Rogenomics meant major and rapid deregulation, underpinned by an ideology that held that an efficient free market would provide for people's needs and that the freedom for individuals to pursue their own interests would lead to great enterprise and growing wealth that would trickle down. Rogenomics had its international siblings in Reaganomics and Thatcherism, 
Roger was more extreme. Trickle down does not work. After our Rogernomics revolution, inequality in New Zealand grew faster than anywhere else in the OECD. Pātea is only one town among many who had their economic heart ripped out as capital was allowed to flow wherever an increasingly wealthy small elite could send it to maximise their wealth. Pātea, rather than any of the other towns, became emblematic of the damage done by Rogernomics because of the song Hoye, released in 1984. The Pātea Māori Club and Dalvania's Prime made a hit record the publicity for the song allowed the Pātea Māori Club to tell the story of the devastation of the economic lives of the people of Pātea. Pātea is an illustration of what happens when there is no justice in transition. An abrupt closure and mass unemployment laying down poverty for a generation or more. When there are big changes in society, we can ask who, who benefits who pays and who decides. Pātea has paid. The owners of capital have benefited. Just under half the world's wealth is in the hands of just over 1% of the population. And who decides? This is where the title of the talk, Forging New Pathways, comes in. There is more than one origin story of the Just Transition Movement. But the best amalgam of stories I can find goes something like this. In the US in the 1970s, environmental regulation started to increase as human damage to the planet and polluting industries became evident. Employers resisted the regulation as it would interfere with their business. Environmentalists were seen as the enemy of business. Workers needed jobs and were often supportive of their employers and environmental degradation for the sake of their livelihoods. Kite kahore he whakakitenga kangaro te iwi. Without vision and foresight, the people will be lost. In response to that tension between environmentalism and polluting employment, vision and foresight among a few people led to the beginnings of the just transition movement. Indigenous people, environmentalists, and unions joined together to talk about the importance of justice in any transition. Understanding that a jobs versus the environment binary understanding of the world would lead to the people being lost, the people and the planet. There was an example from history of vision and foresight. In the US after World War II, the federal government passed the GI Bill to cushion the transition back into society of soldiers returning from the war. The bill invested in that transition. Benefits included low-cost mortgages, low-interest loans to start a business or a farm, one year of unemployment compensation, and dedicated payments of tuition and living expenses to attend high school, college or vocational school. By 1956, when the bill expired, 7.8 million people had taken advantage of those benefits. The incipient Just Transition movement advocated for a similar model to this, to cushion transitions for workers. A formal group, 
the Just Transition Alliance was founded in 1997. Fast forward to 2022, across the Pacific Ocean for this country. Just transition is now a phrase that is routinely used in the Sustainable Business Network, in the Tripartite Future of Work Forum, and across the union movement. The principles of just transition include engagement of people who will be affected by change. To have a just transition requires vision, planning for the vision, and investment in achieving the plan. The vision needs to be de developed by the people whose future is at stake. We ask workers likely to lose their jobs, not just what is their vision for their own futures, but for the futures of their children and grandchildren. Communities in just transition forge new pathways. So who benefits? Who pays? Who decides? A just transition requires that the answers to those questions are that the benefits are justly distributed, the costs are justly paid, and that the people affected have a say in the decisions. At the far end of the country from Pathea, just outside Bluff, the TY Point aluminium smelter has been a major employer in the Southland region since it opened in 1971. TY is likely to close, possibly in 2024. Without a just transition, Southland could become another path there. This time there is hope. The government has not passed the equivalent of a GI Bill, but it is investing, particularly in the engagement part of the just transition. We have a full-time organiser who is responsible for fostering relationships and creating places for the voices of the community to be heard. Local employers, community groups, and union members participate in conversations about their own futures. We have a service called Job Match, which is a union-run mechanism to ensure that people looking for work and people looking for workers can be connected up with a requirement that jobs on offer be good jobs, providing decent work and good pay as a basis for decent lives. We have a formal agreement with Muriheku Regeneration, a project run by Runanga of Ngaitahu, the local mana whenua. That project is focused on the future for local Māori and the pathways for rangatahi. With these three initiatives, all supported by government investment, all the communities that have a stake in the future of Southland work together for their own futures. We don't yet know exactly how Southland will look after the smelter closes, but the communities are not being abandoned to 40 years of poverty. Instead, they are forging new pathways. Okay, um, closing words, it's a poem by Rainer Maria Rilke, Songs to Orpheus, part two, 12. Want the change. Be inspired by the flame where everything shines as it disappears. The artist, when sketching, loves nothing so much as the curve of the human body as it turns away. What locks itself in sameness has congealed. Is it safer to be gray and numb? What turns hard 
becomes rigid and is easily shattered. Pour yourself like a fountain. Flow into the knowledge that what you are seeking finishes often at the start and with ending begins. Every happiness is the child of a separation that did not think it could survive. And Daphne, becoming a laurel, dares you to become the wind. And now it's time to extinguish the chalice. Thank you, Tess. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. And the question, the conversation starter is, how do we all benefit from just transitions? 